0: Thank you for that choir. When I was in seminary, um, I took a year of Greek um, and I desperately wanted to continue to hone those skills so I took an additional class, a semester Greek class focusing on the Gospel of John. Um, And I'll admit and brag, I got pretty good at Greek. Um, I told myself after that additional class I was gonna keep it up and look at it every week, but I didn't and I don't know that I can read any Greek today. But my greek skills however are not the point of this story (laughs) before i took this greek class focusing on the gospel of john um, john's gospel was my least favorite Um, if you've ever read through the gospel of john jesus talks a lot a lot Um, and a lot of it you kind of read and it just leaves you with this well what am i supposed to do with that um, if you've not read through the Gospel of John, um, even though I just said it used to be one of my least favorite, and you're still looking for a Lenten discipline or maybe your own next faithful step, um, why not read through the Gospel of John? Because it did grow on me um, I learned to appreciate it, in fact, learn to love it, because of the characters we meet in John's gospel that we don't meet in any of the other gospels. And these aren't individuals that just kind of show up in passing, talk to Jesus, move along. No, these are long conversations. In fact, the story for next week, The Woman at the Well, is one of the longest dialogues in the Bible. These are people in the Gospel of John who came face to face with Jesus in the midst of all the messy reality of their time and place, and Jesus speaks into that reality. Jesus meets them where they are, receiving questions and doubts and fear. I don't know that I can say that Jesus answers all the questions, the doubts, and the fear. I mean, Jesus talks a lot. We receive a lot, but as we have named before, the Bible is not a book of answers. It's not a magic eight ball. Jesus didn't come to be an answer man. Jesus came entering into all the mess, um, to be a presence in the mess, and to say there is a better way. But getting to Nicodemus, our person of interest for today. Now Nicodemus is a pretty interesting character. John's the only gospel to have this character. He comes and goes from chapter three to chapter 19. He just appears, and then almost just as quickly, he disappears. And he's the main character in the story with, I would say, the most well-known verse in the entire Bible. But to me, Nicodemus gets a bad rap. He gets summed up too quickly. His story gets summed up too quickly. To just point to that most well-known verse of the Bible, John 3:16. Nicodemus kind of becomes the one who just doesn't get it, doesn't receive the invitation. And the quick summary of the takeaway for us becomes that we are supposed to receive the invitation of Jesus Christ. I think that's a little too neat and tidy for a gospel that has multiple stories of individuals, Nicodemus being one who come face-to-face with Jesus in the midst of all their messy reality of their time and place. And Jesus speaks into that reality. Jesus meets them where they are, receiving questions, doubts, and fear. So we're going to look at the story of Nicodemus, John 3, verses 1 through 17. And as we prepare to hear God's word this day, let us pray. Eternal God, in the reading of the scripture, may your word be heard. In the meditation of our hearts, may your word be known. And in the faithfulness of our lives, may your word be shown. Amen. So John chapter 3, verses 1 through 17. Now there was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. And just as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that everyone who believes in him may not perish, but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. This is the word of God, for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So Nicodemus, in this story, in chapter 3, he does walk away from Jesus. If you read through it, it's almost like he fades into the background. You don't really see him anymore, and Jesus just kind of goes in this long, uh, not even a conversation anymore, just speaking. But we do see Nicodemus again. He pops back up in chapter 7, but he's easily missed, if you're reading through quickly. Jesus is at the Festival of Booths, a seven-day holiday, a holy pilgrimage to the temple in Jerusalem where people would gather and construct booths or tents for meals and lodging as a way to remember the 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. In verse 14, that's where we find Jesus, it's about the middle of the festival, and Jesus goes up to the temple and begins to teach. And the Jews are astonished, saying, how does this man have such learning when he's never been taught? So news spreads, there's whispers about Jesus all throughout, Um, the Pharisees go to the temple police and ask them to arrest Jesus, there's this back and forth, and eventually, you have the voice of Nicodemus. Our law does not judge people without first giving them a hearing to find out what they are doing, does it? So Nicodemus comes to jesus defense sort of and then finally in chapter 19 near the end of our story we find nicodemus again again you could easily miss him he accompanies joseph of arimathea who we are told is a disciple of jesus though a secret one because of his fear nicodemus accompanies this secret believer to prepare and bury jesus according to the burial custom of the jews so there's nicodemus popping up throughout the Gospel of John. But let's go back to chapter 3. Because as I read through this this past week, I resonated with those last words of Nicodemus. He's in conversation with Jesus, face to face with the Son of God, and his last words, in this conversation anyway, are, how can these things be? And he just fades into the background. We ask this, right? In the messiness of our own lives? How can these things be, Jesus? How can you be who I believe you to be? How can God be who I believe and have been told God to be? How can I have a faith story that says what it says and yet things in my life um, in my community in my church in my state in my world they are the way they are how can these things be you know what i see in nicodemus is what i see in us as people of faith we're really holding two things right In one hand, we have this faith story. Um, For some of us who grew up in the church and have never not known God or not heard the name Jesus, we have this faith story that we have been taught and shown and shaped by and have these things we hold true. And then we have the world. And sometimes those things challenge each other. Sometimes... Things around us scrape up against these things that we've always thought to be true, and we ourselves begin to question, to deconstruct maybe, to be challenged by, to wonder, how can these things be? And then sometimes our faith story pushes back the other way, and makes us rethink and reshape how we even live in the world. They push against each other. You see, that's what I think we forget about Nicodemus, is that he was a person of deep faith. We're told he's a Pharisee, so we can assume that he was a person of deep faith, a member of the Sanhedrin. He had a faith story, a God who was a liberator, a God who hears the cries of God's people. He had a community of faith that taught him about this God. He talked about this God. And then he comes to Jesus, he sees Jesus shaking things up, challenging this faith story, God at work in the world in and through Jesus in a way that is pushing up against the story that he has always held and known forces Nicodemus to look at the world around him, look at his own story of faith, his own understanding of God, and in what ways God will choose to work in the world. So, of course, he says, how can these things be? Now, I will say, Jesus is pretty hard on Nicodemus. Um, He says, are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you don't understand these things? we have to be careful in placing Nicodemus kind of over here on the side, and then we're on this side, side saying, oh okay, he, he just didn't get it. He just didn't receive Jesus, but we get it. Now I think we have to be honest that maybe daily we lift the question of Nicodemus. How can these things be? maybe if we were face to face with the son of god our question would be the same how can these things be you know there's much i love about this story but what i love the most is that the gospel of john offers us a person of of deep faith who has questions even as he stands face to face with jesus And I love that the Gospel of John allows us to journey with this character from chapter 3 to chapter 7 to chapter 19. And I don't know if you noticed, but we're never really told that Nicodemus gets his, how can these things be answered? We just get to follow him along this journey. I also love the image of the Holy Spirit um, that you heard in children's moment. I didn't know that that's what they were going to talk about. Um, But the way Jesus describes it, the wind blows where it chooses and you hear the sound of it, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. I think of this every time I feel a wind in my face. And the wind reminds me that there's just some plain mystery in our story in our story of faith in God in the work of redemption in the world through and in the work of Christ how can these things be well sometimes we know sometimes we can name the evil sometimes we can see and name the good sometimes it's our choices Sometimes it is systems that we live and move and work within and we feel powerless to change. And sometimes our faith story and God's movement in the world, um, it's just mystery of how these two hold together. Sometimes we just have to say, and it's okay to say and to lift, how can these things be? I have no idea. How will God move in the mess? And how will God invite us to move in the mess? Sometimes it's mystery. You know, when I teach confirmation, um, throughout confirmation, I have these um, little postcard sized uh, They're quotes, they're prayers, they're things. And in my perfect world, the confirmands put these in a the journal and keep them for the rest of their lives. But a lot of times I find them on the floor, like the next day, Um, but we're gonna hope they keep them. Um, But one of them I give is when we're talking about grace. And it's a quote from Anne Lamott, which I am positive I've even shared with you before. Um, But she says, I do not at all understand the mystery of grace, only that it meets us where we are, but does not leave us where it found us. This is Nicodemus, my friends, met by Jesus where he is. At night, in the dark, full of questions, scared, but not left there. As we see in the Gospel of John, his story isn't over. The other thing I will share, and I did put this in your seats. I didn't put the um, I didn't put the Anne Lamont quote, but I did put this prayer. It's known as the Thomas Merton prayer. Although Thomas Merton had lots of prayers. I don't know why this one became the prayer, uh, but it did. But this is one of my favorites and I share it with the confirmands. and I remember this past go round in confirmation we got to the night sharing this and we'd already gone through a lot of big theological terms from grace and free will um, the problem of evil I mean just lots of stuff when we get to the night we're sharing this and we read it and I'll never forget Joe looking up and being like oh my gosh that's totally it (laughs) I don't understand (laughs) and this prayer names that So I just want to lift this as a way of transition, a way of closing as we move to table together. Uh, Just hear these words, and maybe you have found yourself in that moment, in that place, as Nicodemus did. You can grab one and follow along if you like. My Lord God, I have no idea where I am going. I do not see the road ahead of me. I cannot know for certain where it will end, nor do I really know myself. And the fact that I think that I am following your will does not mean that I am actually doing so. But I believe that the desire to please you does in fact please you. And I hope I have that desire in all that I am doing. I hope that I will never do anything apart from that desire. And I know that if I do this, you will lead me by the right road, though I may know nothing about it. Therefore, I will trust you always, Though I may seem to be lost in the shadow of death, I will not fear, for you are ever with me, and you will never leave me to face my perils alone. And all God's people said, Amen.